0: We finally, finally have a resolution. The lawsuit or the threatened lawsuit is officially over. We have come to an agreement with Dorian. Wow. So for those who uh, have been regular listeners to the show, they know that in episode eight, I believe it was. Dorian was unseated as our reigning champion of word or not a word by Kirsty Eastwood, who scored 10 out of 10. And we are, we then received the next week, a letter from Dorian's, uh, lawyers, Dewey, we screw him and how saying that he wanted some gummy bears and a new pillow and to be reinstated. Well, our resolution is, would you like to know what it is? Yep. Our resolution is, is that Dorian did get his gummy bears. We will not reinstate him as champion but he is being invited back into the tournament of champions provided that he competes one additional time in the tournament or in the regular season ah so he will be on the show tonight and he will be the last contestant before we head into our tournament of champions loser so in order for dorian to make it to the tournament of champions he has to beat our lowest score which in fact happened last week with summer so what do you think of them? Apples, as I keep saying.
1: Fantastic apples. What do you got on the show for tonight? Well, I'm going to be doing Like a Maggot and Bacon. I've never heard of that. Like a maggot. Like a maggot? Like M-A-G-G-O-T-T? Yeah. O-T? hmm
0: And Breaking the Ice. Breaking the Ice. We haven't done Breaking the Ice? No. Nope. I'm going to do Barking Up the Wrong Tree and on pins and needles. Ah. Are you ready to start the show? I am. All right, stand by. Here we go.
2: Welcome to Why Do We Say That? The show that answers the questions that have plagued us for centuries. Well, not really. Just the ones we've always wondered about, but we're too lazy to Google. Now, here are your hosts, Scott and Liam Kelly.
0: Welcome to Why Do We Say That, the show that answers the questions and explains all of the idioms that you've always used in everyday life, but we're just too lazy to Google, and that's what we're here for. Welcome to Why Do We Say That. My name is Scott. I'm one of your hosts, and this is my co-host, Liam. Liam, welcome to the show. How's the hernia? i good. No? You're toughing it out, eh? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I sounded like such a Canadian there.
1: Well, yeah. you're, you're toughing it out, eh? Mm-hmm. Liam, why don't you start first? I'm going to start with breaking the ice. Okay. While some might connect the idiom to the 18th century, when special ice-breaking ships were built to help explore the polar regions, the first recorded use actually goes back to the 17th century. In 1678, when Samuel B- Butler used in his poem, Huttabras. What? Huttabras. What's that? A, a poem. Huttabras? Yeah. Never heard of it. The outdoor and at least broke the silence uh, and the ice. So it was first used in a, a poem. Okay. From the, well, I guess, the 1800s. No, the, I said the 16th time. Oh my God, the 16th, 16th century? Yeah. And the and 1500s. It, and it referred to um manual ice laborers that would um break apart ice and sell them. Well, but what is, what is, why do we use breaking the ice today? Because a man used it in a poem and it just got carried on. Right, but what's the meaning of why we use it today? Like, what is the actual meaning of it? Well, uh, that you're, Breaking a social construct. Getting to know each a person. You yeah. Break, you break the ice. And that's because the ice workers weren't considered very high and wealthy, but they would be invited to dinners after bringing ice for drinks to royalty. Well, I guess ice was pretty
0: much a valuable ass, uh, asset or possession back yeah. then, right? Because nobody had freezers. They couldn't just go in and make ice. Mm-hmm. So it was a hot commodity. Yeah. Anything else for breaking the ice? No, that's it. So the guys would be, they would actually, that was their job was to break ice. Yeah. And then deliver it to homes. Mm -hmm. So by them delivering it to the houses, they were getting to know the people that they were delivering to. Mm -hmm. So they were breaking the ice. Yeah. Excellent cocktail conversation. How about I go next? I'm going to do barking up the wrong tree. So first and foremost, What's the meaning of barking up the wrong tree? It's making a mistake or a false assumption in something that you were trying to achieve. But what is the origin of that phrase? The allusion is to hunting dogs barking at the bottom of trees where they mistakenly think their quarry is hiding. Their quarry, do you know what that is? I don't. Their prey. Oh. The earliest known printed citation is in James Kirk Paulding's Westward ho in 1832. And the quote says here he made a note in his book and I begun to smoke him for one of those fellows that drive a sort of trade of making books about old Kentucky and the Western country. So I thought I'd said set him barking up the wrong tree a little. And I told him some stories that were enough to set the Mississippi afire, but he put them all down in his book. The phrase may have caught on in the USA quickly after Pauling's book. It appeared in several American newspapers throughout the 1830s. For example, this piece from the Gettysburg newspaper, The Adams Sentinel, in March of 1834. General, you are barking up the wrong tree this time. For I just see that raccoon jump to the next tree. And for this he is a mile off in the woods. No idea what that means. I think it was written phonetically actually. And that is actually funny enough. All I've got for barking up the wrong tree. Oh wow. Origins in the United States of America. So shout out to our friends down South. Why don't we take a little break? When we come back from the break, what are you going to do? Living like a maggot in bacon. Living like a maggot in bacon. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a lot of people because I don't know if I've ever heard or seen or use that phrase
1: oh wow
0: it says commonly used commonly used interesting and I am going to do on pins and needles and uh, at the end of the show don't forget we're going to be playing the final round of our world famous and now uncontested game show word or not a word Mm -hmm. with Dorian Kemp yeah we'll be right back
2: Do you have an idea for the show? Ever wondered where that phrase or word came from? Instead of looking it up online, send us a message on Instagram. I mean, it'll take longer, but boy, will you have fun. We might even mention you on the show.
1: Welcome back to the show.
0: I'm very excited about tonight's word and not a word. Hmm. we have to see if dorian beats summer from los angeles california she scored three out of ten yeah so in order for dorian to make it into the tournament of champions he has to beat three out of ten so he has to get at least four correct okay in order for him to be in our tournament of champions all right what's your next one what are you doing Living like a maggot and bacon. Okay, totally. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Where did you find that?
1: I don't know. I just Googled it, or NDMs. Okay, go um, ahead. Um uh, it, it's a foreign idiom. Um live like a maggot and bacon. It, it means um someone living in extreme luxury or ease. Um so it started in the phrase started in free, in Sweden at a at a in pan uh rekamaka a what I don't know rekamaka it refers to someone who hasn't had to work in a long time it literally trans uh translates to uh to slide in on the shrimp sandwich <laughs> what yeah um and the French language has a number of amusing idioms which get lost in translation, as a midlife crisis—midlife crisis literally meaning the demon of midday or a maggot and bacon. So it—it's just a—it's really just a bad translation from French and Swedish, that mixed together.
0: Okay, yeah. so okay, you gotta explain it to me because I listened, but I didn't understand a thing. What does it have to do with
1: people retiring? No, it it's about it's reference to lazy people. I haven't okay. had to work in a long time, so it got half translated from Swedish, and then it got translated from French, and oh, then we oh, got okay. it in English. And it were you trying to speak Swedish there when you were translating that word?
0: Sure, I think so. Right. Okay.
1: But, so it's about being lazy. Yeah. What, okay, I'm confused. And it's not, it's about living in luxury and ease. Okay.
0: So they're living like a maggot in bacon. Yeah. Is it because bacon's really easy
1: for a maggot to eat? That's really gross, by the way. No, it's just because it's, it's, they just live there and it's not hard to do anything else. Right, until they become a fly.
0: Yeah. A fly, then they get to fly away. and live for like 24 hours. Yeah. I think maggots actually live longer than the actual fly does. It's mm. interesting. About as interesting as being an astrobiologist. Mm-hmm. All right, my turn. It's going to be a quick episode. Yeah. As we prepare for our tournament of champions with Dorian tonight, what I am going to do on pins and needles Do you know what being on pins and needles means? Yep. What? Uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah, it means being anxious or nervous or agitated or in surprise, uh, in a worried or excited state, uh, to be tense. Uh, I've got some example sentences here. We've been on pins and needles since we got the news that she has been stranded in the hills amidst a landslide. Mm. Make sure you inform me once you reach. I'll be on pins and needles until I hear from you. Yeah. My brother has been on pins and needles since yesterday as his exam results are scheduled to be declared today. Oh. The origin of the phrase is from the early 1800s and refers to the sharp tingling and uncomfortable sensation experienced when recovering from numbness. There's nothing worse than that. I think every man in in North America knows what it's like they get into the bathroom they sit they're reading their book or their phone and all of a sudden your feet fall asleep you get those pins and needles you almost got to slam your foot against the floor mm-hmm. uh there so in checking uh the origin of the expression i found that on pins and needles uh one source lists lists the early 1900s as its origin while several others listed it from the early 1800s uh there was one from a writer named Harriet Beecher Stowe, uh, who used it in her dialogue, but this expression was not in use at the time from 1830 to 1850. And that is honestly all I've got for that. You know what we should do? Why don't we do, would you like to do a, uh, should we do a bonus episode? Sure. All right, let's do another bonus. Just I'm just going to randomly pick one. How about that? Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to open up the the internet. And the bonus one is, have you ever heard of the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Yep. What does it mean? Uh, I don't know. Only one, I don't don't really know. Well, work through it. (laughs) Seriously, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Someone finds you attractive. Well, what might be attractive to one person may not be attractive to the other. And that's why you say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Um, let me go into the literal meaning of it. It has a literal meaning that the perception of beauty is subjective. What one person find, finds beautiful may not. So, I was you know, pretty much along the lines of what this webpage says.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The saying... First appeared in the third century BC in Greek. It didn't appear in English and in its current form in print until the 19th century. But in the meantime, there were various written forms that expressed much the same thought. In 1588, the English dramatist John Lilly, in his I don't even know how to say this word, effuse, and his England wrote, As near is Francie to beauty, as the prickle to the rose, as the stalk to the rind, as the earth to the root. That doesn't say anything about what we said about, but Shakespeare experienced, uh, sorry, Shakespeare expressed a similar sentiment in Love's Labor's Lost in 1588. Good Lord, boy, at my beauty, though but mean, needs not the painted flourish of your praise. Beauty is Ought by judgment of the eye, not uttered by base sale, or chapman's tongue. And Benjamin Franklin also wrote in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1741, Beauty like supreme dominion is but supported by opinion. Also David Hume, who was an essayist, who wrote Essays Moral and Political in 1742, said, Beauty in things exists merely in the mind which contemplates them. Hmm. pretty good stuff
1: yeah very fancy
0: fancy schmancy Mm -hmm. speaking of fancy schmancy we are going into our final episode of word or not a word Mm. are you ready yep are you happy that dorian is getting back into the tournament if he beats summer's score of three out of ten no not at all no we will be right back with word or not a word
2: and now it's time for everyone's favorite game show word or not a word now here's your host wink martindale wait what what wink was too expensive here's your host scott
0: word or not a word, the penultimate episode. Liam, are you excited? Yep. For the folks who have been listening to the show and for folks who are just joining us for the first time, a few episodes ago, uh, Dorian was our champion with a score of 9 out of 10. He was unseated by our current champion, Kirsty Eastwood, who is now the top seed in our tournament of champions. Dorian didn't seem to like that, so he decided to call his lawyers Dewey, Scroom, and Howe. And tell them to send us a letter that he was contesting the results of that episode. He wanted gummy bears and a new pillow for his bed. And he wanted to read So we came to an agreement. Dorian, welcome to the show. Welcome to Word or Not a Word.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, we're glad to have you here now that we've finally figured all this stuff out. You did not get your new pillow. But you did get your gummy bears. Yes, you I suck. Did. And as a compromise on my side you now have to try to get back into the tournament of champions so what we've devised is that you have to beat our lowest score and the lowest score just happened to be set last week by summer from Los Angeles, California of 3 out of 10 so you need to get a 4 out of 10 in order to make it to the tournament are you ready?
1: yep I'm ready
0: Liam are you ready? yep give me the ticker Liam go Euonia not a word calipygian word congelify not a word belosian word <laughs> oh <my God>. convivality <laughs> not a word okay time out that's six wrong buddy boy you need to get the next four correct or you are not getting into the are tournament. you
1: serious these words are ridiculous Face
0: <laughs> on the microphone let's go are you ready
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Need to get the next four correct. Osculation. Word. Lost Queenary. Not a word. Unsuffuct. Not a word. Wine bibbery. Not a word. Oh my gosh, he made it, Liam. <laughs> he made it. Uh.
1: <laughs> He's in the tournament of champions. There what was definitely some foul play in that. What were those words? I have no idea what you're talking about, Dorian. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was no foul play at all.
0: Mm-mm. Liam, was nope. there
1: any foul play? Nope.
0: All right. But congratulations, <laughs> Dorian. You have officially made it into the Tournament of Champions. Yes. Well done, Dorian.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: You are actually now our second lowest seed, though. So <laughs> next week, you're going, you're going to have to go up against. Summer.
1: Oh, summer. No, you don't
0: get to go against the champion. She's got 10 out of 10. You
1: just got four out of 10. But playoff style is always the highest goes against the lowest. Yep.
0: Not in word or not a word.
1: We start right. at the bottom
0: and we work our way up like in a uh, single elimination tournament. The well, top then- seed gets to stay just until the end. She's only going to show up at the well,
1: end. Well, this was strategic then. Because now I get to...
0: You get to kind of work your way up through it.
1: Exactly. We're going to have
0: various rounds and various people. So Mm -hmm. we'll see you next week on our, word or not a word, Tournament Tournament of Champions. Dorian, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And if you could not turn the blender on while we're recording, that would be awesome. I'll do my best. Thank you, Liam. Bye, you suck. (laughs) Dorian, you stay right there. It is time for our
1: Mario Lopez watch.
0: Liam, how many days has it been since Mary Lopez has not answered us? A lot. It has actually been 3,201 days since Mary Lopez has not answered us. Mm-hmm. We have sent him by a semaphore, Western Union, the Pony Express. We even sent a chuck wagon. He still has not joined us on Word or Not a Word. And since we're going into the Tournament of Champions, I think this might be the last Mario Lopez watch. Might be. And maybe next week we'll actually do Save by the Bell. What do you think?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it for today's episode. And don't forget, folks, next week the Tournament of Champions starts. Liam, thank you so much for showing up tonight.
1: No problem.
0: Yeah, you were so exciting. Mm-hmm. Dorian, thank you so much for being on Word or Not a Word
1: no problem that's
0: it folks thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next week we're out for now
2: thanks for listening we hoped you learned something today tell your friends about us and follow us on instagram at why do we say that for more great answers to life's mysteries again sorry not really just some fun stuff have a wonderful day everyone